0: immigration experiences are different and in this episode we'll learn how this particular experience impacted her money story stay tuned you did it you have found your judgment-free zone the her dinero matters podcast a bilingual podcast for women who want to become reinas of their money and love their dinero more. I am your host, Jen Hemphill, a former extreme frugalist turned reina of your money advocate. Each week, I'm going to help you reign your money like that queen that you are with inspiring interviews and panel discussions from La Comunidad Latina, and with solo episodes sharing simple, actionable tips and strategies. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and now let's jump into today's Dose of Money Confidence. Hola, hola, que tal? This is Jen Hempel, your host, and I am so thrilled to have you here. Today we have another fabulous guest. Let me share with you a little bit about Adriana Flores Regale. She is a social entrepreneur and host of Latinx America, a podcast highlighting people in tech, investing, and innovation. She has worked at Univision, the College Board, and the American Red Cross in building relationships, community projects, and long-lasting social impact. She has a master's in communications management from the University of Southern California and a BA from claremont McKenna. College. Her focus is to celebrate every win professionally and personally. In this episode, you will hear her family's experience in selling watermelons door to door in Mexico and what that had to do with anything, as well as her immigration experience and what led to prioritizing her finances. Despite the circumstances, how she has been able to invest to start generational wealth in her family. Lista, vamos a conocer this reina of her money. Bienvenida, Adriana. I am so thrilled to have you here and to having been connected to you recently. Thank you so much, Jen,
1: for having me on your show. I'm excited to be part of your episode.
0: Yes. So let's start off with your money story, as I always do, because this is the part that really fascinates me and my listeners. So take us back in time to whether your childhood or maybe in teenage years. What did you see, hear, experience when it came to money?
1: So when it came to money, I didn't really hear much. I remember being very young, um, maybe between five and seven. And selling watermelons and donuts door to door when we lived in Mexico. Because even though we were considered middle income at some point, we still needed to make ends meet. So that's, and I remember doing that before my parents decided to come to the US. So we were separated from my parents for years, for a long period of time while they came here to the US to take a chance on the American dream. And eventually we joined them. But I just remember not having the same resources that everyone around me had. And then when we came to the US, we ended up in Orange County, California, in Southern California. And we were raised in an area where, you know, we, we had a two bedroom apartment. We had six people living there, like six of us and my parents. And I, eventually we had people that came in and they slept in the living room. So my, my background, I grew up in a poor family, right? So we didn't talk as much about money. I wasn't exposed to money. I was exposed to sometimes debt collectors and the trauma of not having money. And I think that trauma of not having money is what has led me personally to value money, but also to understand the importance that it plays in living the kind of lifestyle that I want to live and what savings can do for that, and also what investments can do for that. So a negative upbringing in a way when it comes to money has really helped me value and make inroads when you know, financial literacy was not something that was talked about in my home.
0: Right. And it's interesting because you said it's made you value savings and investments. investments. So when we're talking investments, because I always find this fascinating in, a, in conversations with any Latinos, what type of investments were you exposed to first or, or were you aware of first? And I'm, I'm curious to see what it was for you.
1: Well, the, the first investment that I did was... When I had my first job, I actually put myself through college working at a police department. I was working between 20 to 30 hours a week. And when you have fin- when you get financial aid, which I had financial aid, you have someone investing in you, right? So I was also investing in myself because I was working and I was paying both for my parent contribution and the student contribution in order to make ends meet. And I just didn't feel it was my parents were going to be able to do that. So I was doing that for myself. So. That's when I had my first retirement account. And I think I was 18, 19 years old. And I started putting money into the retirement account. And eventually, when my part time job ended at the police department and I eventually transitioned into a full time position after college, I was able to see that I had accumulated money without even thinking about it because I had been putting like 10 or 15% into my retirement account. And then I went, when I started my full-time job. That was a, that was a big priority and that's something that also some wise people around me recommended I do, which I did and eventually you're going to laugh. And because it's maybe this is not advice, but um, I cashed in my retirement because we used that to be part of a big down payment to be able to buy our our house in the Bay Area, our first house. So It paid off in the long run because we live in the Bay Area and, you know, that money multiplied in terms of house value, but that's something that's not necessarily advisable. But yeah, that um, retirement and also understanding my long-term goals was important.
0: And I find that interesting because I didn't want to do the spoiler alert of why I was asking that question. But when I talk to our Latino community and when it comes to investing, when they think investing for some reason, we tend to think real estate first, right? And that's the discussion that we tend to have. And so I find it fascinating that for you, you invested or you put money into a retirement account, which I love that.
1: But before that, I invested in my education because that it that was very important and that was key for my family and also for me. I have greater returns because I was able to have a college education, a college degree, eventually a master's. I'm working on my se- second master's right now, but I understand that value that education can bring not only in terms of knowledge and lifestyle, but also long-term planning.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that the first investment was education, because when we're talking about investments in the financial space, we think whether real estate or in the stock market, retirement, all that. Uh, But you brought up education, which I definitely agree is is a, a great investment. Now, you have accomplished so much, which just reading everything that you have done, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So your work has spanned from in the broadcast media, you worked at Univision, you've worked in the nonprofit sector. And now you host a podcast called Latinx America. And recently, you became an advisor of a startup whose service we are actually using to record this interview right now, which is called Squadcast, which I love. And now so you've had this really diverse experience, but your focus now with your podcast is more on tech innovation and investment fields. What led you to this?
1: So I mentioned that I grew up in, in Southern California and eventually after college and after having my first job, I fell deep, deeply in love with my then fiance and now husband. And I moved up to the Bay Area where at that time in 2000, you had you had Google. You had a lot of the big companies kind of making their way and making their name, and then the financial crisis happened, and that, that's something else. But I, when I moved up here, I always I wanted to work for a nonprofit, and I ended up working for the Red Cross. I led the volunteer um, department and social services department for the Red Cross. But one of the reasons why I decided to really focus on tech and innovation and investing in my podcast is because I've been here for twenty years I've been in in the heart of Silicon Valley for twenty years, and I haven't really seen drastic change yet when I moved here, you know some of the kids in East Palo Alto and Redwood City and San Jose and some of the other areas where you have a higher number of people of color, the kids were going through through school right and they were getting uh, an education, but an education does not mean that they're Opening doors in this tech companies, so you still see diversity numbers that are very low when you look at the big companies um, same thing for like investment and investors investors of color you know i i I just partner with the uh, uh, Angel Capital Association to do a series highlighting uh, minority investors that could be role models so for me, it was about well. They're not seeing themselves in these positions. They don't understand the path maybe, or if they do, you know, they're getting into tech in a different way. So how can I share stories of Latinos, um, Latinx in tech, innovation, and investment that can be, that can serve as role models for other communities? Um, same thing in terms of having these role models for early career professionals that are listening to the podcast, because some of this mid-career or, you know, some of them are in C-suite at the C-suite level, they made their way somehow to their positions. So I'm hoping that by sharing their stories, we can change the narrative of our community one story at a time. And instead of saying, oh, no, we haven't done all this and we don't have enough that we try to really work in making a change in ourselves and making a change for our community.
0: I love that. And you answer what was my next question was like, what your vision is for Latinos in the area. And you've answered that is just changing the narrative. So with this, because uh, you mentioned one of the reasons for doing this is basically not seeing as many Latinos or in this, in these areas or in these fields, now, what do you foresee? Do you, have you seen other, whether conversations or initiatives or anything of that sort that is speaking to the Latino community in these fields? Or that is, I know, for example, it's a different field, but the certified financial planner, they are, I know I've seen commercials or advertisements where they're really trying to get more Latinos, for example in those fields. So are you seeing any whether projects, initiatives, anything that is trying to encourage latinos to get into these fields. So I mentioned
1: the partnership with the Angel Capital Association, that's a big one, you know, we're, we're trying to showcase more, more role models and I've also been working with the Kpore Center uh, with Lily Gangas and Josh Tor- Torres there. And they came up with the concept of Latinx in tech. And this was a conference that, that was launched um, a couple of years ago. And I've been working with them on sharing stories from those conferences. So I know that they're, they're trying to do um, a lot more in terms of professional development. They came up with a level initiative and they've been helping Latinos advance in their careers in tech. Um, there's also an organization called Tequeria. Led by Francis Coronel, who was on our show. And she's been an amazing role model, a young leader. And she's really galvanizing a lot of people in in that space through her work with Tequeria and the others at Tequeria that are doing a really good work. You have Latinas in Tech with Rocio there at the helm. And they've been doing a lot of work too in terms of opening chapters nationwide. And we're very lucky in the Area that we also have the Latino Community Foundation and the Latino Community Foundation has been bringing in people from different sectors, not just tech, but because, because LCF is what it, where it is in, in this area, they have been able to bring in a lot of champions and leaders from the tech space as well. And I know that they've been also funding nonprofits that are really leveraging technology, uh, like, like digital next, uh, like digital nest.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, that's good to know because I was curious what I figured it was a few, but that's good to know that there there is work getting, being done because I, I definitely think that it's very important.
1: In terms of investment, there uh, is a new organization led by Maria Salamanca and others um, called Latinx in VC, and they just launched last October.
0: Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you.
1: And their primary goal is to get more Latinos to become investors, but also to join the VC space because we know that we don't have enough Latinos in tech. Well, when you look at the venture capital space, it's the number is even lower or the percentage is even lower. So she and others have been working on creating this community and bringing investors, um, Latinx uh, VCs from different parts of the world and then training the next generation of Latinx and VC as well.
0: I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that. Now I want to switch gears a a little bit because one of the things that you mentioned was you put yourself through college. You literally worked almost a full-time job (laughs) and you studied and you put yourself through college and you started your retirement fund in your early twenties. Now the person listening to this right now, maybe just, just sighing loudly and saying, if only I had been able to, to start saving early, or she may be saying there was no way I could have been able to do this. Right. What do you feel, was it, because I think you mentioned you had some, some guidance or some suggestions to start. So what do you feel led you to, hey, I'm going to start doing this now? Were you in a financial spark to do so or what was it? I think
1: at that time, it was the process. Like everybody was talking about retirement and I, it was at a police department, right? So we had people from different age groups. Some of them were closer to retirement, so they kept talking about retirement. And I was like, well, what's this thing called retirement? Nobody around me talks about retirement. So I think being exposed to people that have gone through the process or that have done something, or maybe that there are in positions where you want to be, financial positions where you want to be. So I think looking at people and seeking advice, remember, I did cash everything out when I was 29 to invest in our home, in our first home. And that, then I started all over again at 29. So when you think about it, so if even though I started earlier, early, I did have, I don't know, in the 30s or 40s or something that I had accumulated, but I started again from scratch. So it's never too late to really start to think about investing in your future because your future could be 10 years from now or it could be 30 years from now. And the more that you put in your nest egg, the more that you put in your nest, the better it will be in the long run.
0: I agree. Now, for someone that maybe hasn't started, you mentioned already, and I agree, it's never too late. You can start right now. Do you, for, for encouragement, what words of encouragement do you have? Because maybe this person's in their 30s and haven't started, or maybe they feel that they, can't start right now maybe don't they don't feel that they have enough money to start or maybe they're in their 40s or their 50s and haven't saved anything so what are words of encouragement what what would you say to that person right at this very moment because knowing that yes you started early you cash it out and you started again
1: i think poquito matters in having understanding your priorities what's going to make you happy in the long term Will buying the expensive shoes make you happy in the long term, or will putting your poquito away that will eventually get you to a lot more in the future? Is is that better, you know? So think about your priorities and also don't I mean don't give up. But you can start saving right now and it might impact you, you know, five years from now, ten years from now. But don't I mean don't forget that. You could have other people. I have other people in my life. I have my kids. And what I'm doing right now is going to impact them you know, 20 years down the line. So think about long-term and think about short-term and sacrifices that you could do. Like, For example, when I, when I was in my 20s, I, read, I actually read, read a financial investment for couples when, when I had recently gotten married. And one of the examples that they had there was having your Starbucks. Every time you have a Starbucks, it's like four or five dollars. Back in the day it wasn't as much. but four or five dollars. If you put away those four or five dollars, not only are you going to be saving in terms of your health, because you're not putting so much sugar into your body, but you could also save for and, and put that money elsewhere, whether it's a savings account, a retirement account, your, if you have an IRA, you know, you think about what that looks like for you. If it's putting it in a cajita, in a piggy bank, or something, maybe that might look like that for you. If you're, if if you're an early saver, but eventually it it adds up. So understanding that, and also even if you didn't have money, because we didn't, like I said, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. I remember debt collectors calling the house for my parents, especially because they didn't, they were not very literate. They were in terms of um, finances, and they also they wanted to give us the best that they could. But they didn't understand that when you got a credit card, that meant, you know, interests and, you know, everything that you had to think about. And and they didn't really understand it. So people really preyed on the immigrant and immigrant communities. And I just remember being traumatized by getting those calls, like debt collectors calls. And they were not very nice people if you ever picked up the phone. And then I said, I never want my children to go through that. So think about what that's going to do for you. In terms of having a peace of mind, where you're saving for your future, where you're paying as you go, where you, you know, if you do, if you choose to go into debt for something, if, if it's going to be, if it's going to pay off in the long run, if it's going to be worth it, if it's for an investment that is going to make a difference for you, and maybe that Starbucks or maybe that you know extra meal out,
0: right? And I love that what you've been able to accomplish. One you mentioned, well, your parents. You all immigrated from Mexico and you also mentioned that your parents weren't very financially literate, but you some, but for whatever reason, uh, you took what you observed as a child and had already made the decisions of what you valued, what you didn't want to happen to you, what you or what you didn't want to repeat. What sources, you also mentioned that at your job at the police department, it looked like you had some guidance in terms of, yeah, go ahead and started investing. What other, and you also read the book, what source did you have at other mentors or anybody that helped you? Because your parents didn't know, or from what you're telling me, didn't know much about money, but obviously they learned, they had a lot of hard work ethic, right? They did. They came here to the States and they left uh, the kids with family in Mexico while they they established themselves so they could bring you up. Where did you get guidance? Because obviously you were led well. I mean, obviously you had some things instilled from your parents, but where else did you get that guidance?
1: I'm very observant when it comes to things and people around me. and My mom used to clean houses, and we would go clean houses with her every spring break, every winter break. There was no ski week for us. We were cleaning. We were helping her. We weren't doing the bathrooms or anything, but she had us cleaning like the mirrors and things like that. And it was me and my uh, my three brothers. And I remember being in those homes in Irvine with, I mean, with wealthy people and wealthier than, I mean, richer than us, right? And we we got a glimpse into someone else's world. We got to see that they had nice cars and that the kids went to the pool and then that they had classes that they that they took, arts enrichment. And we didn't have very much of that. So for me it was more like looking and then asking, like, well, how do you get there? And they would talk about college degrees or they would talk about what they were doing. And I think exposure to that is it wasn't so much reading the book. It wasn't so much like, you know, taking a class. It was more like aspiring to have what others had or earning you know, in the way that they did. And that's what kind of led me early on. Eventually, I was lucky enough to find a partner, uh, my life partner, who also has the same values. And his parents were middle income, both professors at college level professors, one at a community college, one at a, at the University of Louisville in computer science. So he had led a different lifestyle, more of a middle income lifestyle, but he valued um, saving and he valued prioritizing um, some things over others. So I think being observant has really paid off for me.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I have to agree. Just, just hearing you. I absolutely love that. Now, what would you say and everything that you have accomplished and done what has been your proudest money moment.
1: So our proudest moment money moment then not too long ago, but we're fortunate to be completely debt-free. So we own two homes. Yeah, we own two homes and we're living the kind of life that we want to live. You know, when we when we bought our current home, we decided to do a big remodel. So we remodeled the house completely and we thought about the fact that we could have this huge compound if we wanted to right if we, we we could if that's what we wanted if we wanted to go into debt but we chose instead to have a nice comfortable home but to be able to, to to do other things with with the money and to create the kind of life that we wanted to create so we had a vision for it so i think being debt free helps us because it allows us to take risks It allows me to be creative and and be of service to others through volunteer work that I do, going out and getting a second master's, you know, just doing different things that I've been wanting to do and creating more impact for others because of that freedom that, that we were fortunate to have.
0: That is so absolutely fantastic. I applaud you and I congratulate you. Well, Adriana, this has been phenomenal. I have really enjoyed our conversation today and everything and just learning everything about you that I learned today. And I appreciate the leadership and the example that you set for us Latinos out here. Thank you so much. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation and found it motivational. I know. I absolutely enjoyed chatting with Adriana. I have such respect and admiration for what she has done, what she continues to do. And you always just want to be surrounded by or surround yourself with individuals that really motivate you, that that uplift you. And I think Adriana is is definitely one of those individuals. You can connect with her on LinkedIn and what I'm going to do, if you look up, Adriana Flores Ragade on LinkedIn, you will find her, but I will also have that link in today's show notes. So, as I mentioned, I really hope that you found Adriana's story motivational. And after hearing her story, I'm curious to know what are you focusing on this week or even this week, this month, to better your dinero? If you aren't feeling confident for some reason about your situation, if you are needing a boost make sure you get my Daily Dinero Ritual, which is free. If you already have it, make sure you log in there into the lounge and use it. It makes a difference only if you use it. So you can go to jenhempill.com forward slash dinero to grab it if you don't already have it. And you can also log in there if you already have it and you just haven't used it. And I know who you are. I'm kidding. Uh, seriously, do use it. It makes a difference for those that actually take action with it. So what does that this do for those of you that are just recently hearing about this free resource? The Daily Dinero Ritual will help you reshift your thoughts and celebrate your strengths, so you can go about your financial life with confidence. That's what it's intended to do, to take you from not feeling good, about your money to feeling confident, feeling hopeful, just being able to see that light at the end of the tunnel. So make sure you grab that because it's a great resource. Just you just have to take advantage of it. Next week, we will be meeting with Kami Strashnoy, another Latina who built her career in something that she absolutely loves, and that is fashion. So make sure to tune in for that one. That is it. Eso es todo. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast, to be a supporter of this podcast. I know there's so many to listen to. You can check out the brief show notes over at JenHempel.com forward slash 231. And I want to remind you that you can be the reina of your money right now, that you do not have to wait to claim that crown because the choice is in your hands. And I know you can do this. This is why you have me. This is why you have this podcast. Tú puedes. And also, I want to ask you, if you have been listening to this podcast, or if you are loving this episode, make sure to take a screenshot or selfie and tag us in your IG stories with at matters and the hashtag with the same words. Thank you so much again for listening. Y nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao. Oh,